there is no way in hell that one episode can cover everything about the Ouija board. Let me just put that out for you right now. So, with that being said, there's a lot of things that are extremely significant that a lot of people don't actually know about the Ouija board. A lot of times it's kind of just like right under your noses, but you just don't realize it because, you know, you're going about your day and you just, you've heard about the Ouija board just because it's been around for so long and you might have some misconceptions about it or there might be some things that you know that others don't. So it all really depends, right? Now, the thing with the Ouija board, before I get into the interesting facts about it, is that it's a little bit interesting uh, for the simple fact that it's taken extremely seriously by some people, and then it's taken as a joke to others. Now, what's interesting is that it kind of shows the division between people that believe in the spirit world and people that don't in a lot of cases, because when you go shopping for a Ouija board, which I wouldn't really recommend, but when if you go to a store to buy a Ouija board, <clears throat> sometimes certain stores or most stores, at least nowadays, will have disclaimers saying that if anything does happen, the store or the company that manufactured that particular Ouija board is not responsible for what you went through or whatever experience you had. So it's interesting because so many people have either messed around or used the Ouija board for rituals or just to communicate with the dead. And it's a little bit ironic because why would there be disclaimers on things that they claim are not legitimately true, which kind of makes you think, right? And <clears throat> let me just start off by saying that one of the most interesting things about the Ouija board was that when it was patented in the patent office, the United States Patent Office back in the mid to late 1800s, the patent office actually claimed that it was real and that it worked. Now, again, this also we're also talking about a time where people tended to believe in spirits much more in hauntings, much more than people do now, or at least it seemed to be more open to discussion in those days, day and ages. Like, I mean, the any time before the 1900s, it was much more open to, to be discussed about, you know, the 1500s, 1617, all the way up until the, the early 1900s. Then as time went on, from the early 1900s until now, the past 100 years, roughly, there's been some type of, I don't know why, but a little bit of, I guess you could say, restraint, or people have refrained from discussing it, maybe because in a day and age where things seem so advanced, it, it some people think it's ridiculous to be talking about the Ouija board, but I think the Ouija board has proven, and it will always still prove, to sort of stand the test of time. Now, you don't necessarily need to buy a particular Ouija board in order for it to work. You could, and I'm not saying that you should, but it could be made at home as long as it's made correctly. With that being said, let me just say that I'm not making this episode to encourage people to use it. This episode is strictly to talk about things that many people probably didn't know about it, the history of it, and also its connection with the spiritual world and things like this. So... By no means am I endorsing or encouraging anyone to use the Ouija board. And it's, it's gone to the point where people who I know who don't even believe in this kind of stuff won't touch the Ouija board just because they get a bad feeling in their gut. So you don't necessarily have to believe in it to be afraid of it or to sort of want to stay away from it, okay? Because it's a very tricky thing. And I'm not, I'm not an expert on it by any stretch of the word. But it is a very tricky, I guess we could say, tool or, or resource, if you want to call it. Now, 
according to SmithsonianMagazine.com or SmithsonianMag.com, in February 1891, the first few advertisements started appearing in papers saying, Ouija, the wonderful talking board. <coughs> Pardon me for the, the coughing. And it also described a magical device that could answer questions, quote, about the past, present, and future with marvelous accuracy and promised never-failing amusement and recreation for all the classes, a link between the known and unknown, the material and immaterial. <clears throat> now, with that being said, it was sold as a, as a sort of game board, but it was kind of known, if you're buying this, you're going to contact spirits. And you got to know how to open the board and properly say goodbye. Now, I did an episode discussing things like the pentagram and, and, and different esoteric books and things that could sort of summon evil, negative, lower vibrational spirits and things like this. And so when we come to the conclusion, generally speaking, that when a satanic or demonic ritual is performed or something like this and a pentagram is drawn on a wall or on the floor of where these rituals take place. It's more than likely known generally amongst people who know about this stuff that the pentagram in a certain way and in many different aspects actually serves as a portal for these spirits to come through. Now, oh, excuse me. So now, the thing with the pentagram is that by no means, at least on any accounts or experiences that I've known people to have, by no means do any good spirits come through this pentagram. Now, why am I bringing up the pentagram? Because I feel like the Ouija board, depending on a lot of different things, uh, energetically, circumstantially, contextually, where you are when you're doing it, how you're feeling, who you're doing it with, and the environment in which you're doing it at, makes a big, big difference and literally delivers a huge impact as to whether or not you're going to have an experience that is sort of weird and creepy or you're going to have just a fucking, pardon my French, just a terrifying experience. And the pentagram has been known to act as a portal for these negative spirits to come through. And there's been scientific... Uh, studies with devices that measure electromagnetic frequencies and things like this that are able to measure and di dictate and discover that in the center of these pentagrams, there's an abnormal amount of energy, particularly when there are people in and around this pentagram symbol. And I'm, ju I'm just talking about a symbol that you literally draw on a wall with a spray paint can or on a floor. That's why a lot of abandoned houses and places like that, you'll find a pentagram because a lot of people will who believe in the... Um, the occult and the more lower vibrational spirits and things like this, and I'm not trying to disrespect them, I'm just saying, they'll go and use these <clears throat> places to, to bring these spirits into this realm, let's say. Now, <clears throat> I haven't figured it out just yet, but I do believe that the Ouija board actually acts in a certain way kind of acts like a portal similar to that of the pentagram. Now, I don't want to be making connections about things that I'm not 100% sure of. And I've done tons of research, and there doesn't seem to be any solidifying evidence. But what I can say is that if you don't say goodbye and close the Ouija board appropriately, 
you're in some deep shit. Now, a spirit could be uh, attached itself to you, could follow you home, or maybe it'll just wander around the environment in which the board is still at. Okay? Now, the thing about this is that it's extremely dangerous because of the fact that even people who don't believe in these types of things will then be negatively impacted by things that you have done. Now, I know this might seem like a bit of an episode where I'm kind of trash-talking the Ouija board, and I'm not trying to promote it, but I'm not trying to, I guess you could say, shit on it either. With that being said, though, I do want to provide both sides of it. And the reason why it seems like I'm aiming towards a more negative side is because I don't think there's much on the positive side to really talk about. I say that hesitantly, but... I mean, I think ultimately when people try to use the board to contact the dead or to contact a relative of theirs or something like this, the problem is, is that negative low vibrational spirits are extremely deceiving. A lot of times they've been known to manifest themselves as little girl spirits. They've been known to manifest themselves as just pretending to be somebody that they're not. For example, someone's trying to reach out to their aunt or uncle. <clears throat> Excuse me, they're trying to reach out to their, say, dead, uh, relative who passed away peacefully just because they want to talk to them. But then what comes through that board as a temporary portal or doorway for these spirits, if you will, is not the person they were hoping. Maybe not even close. So we have to keep all those things in mind. We have to factor those things in. Okay? So... Like I said earlier, again, according to SmithsonianMag.com, the Ouija board was interesting and mysterious, and it actually had been proven to work at the patent office before it was allowed to proceed. And today, even psychologists, reputable, reputable, credible psychologists, believe that it may offer a link between the known and the unknown. Now, <clears throat> the real history of the Ouija board is just about as mysterious as how the game itself works. Again, game, but, you know. Ouija historian Robert Murch has been researching the story of the board since 1992. And when he started his research, he says no one really knew anything about its origins, which struck him as, as quite odd. And he said, and I quote, For such an iconic thing that strikes both fear and wonder in American culture, how can no one know where it came from? End quote. Now again, I'm still reading from smithsonianmag.com. The Ouija board came straight out of the American 19th century obsession with spiritualism and the belief that the dead are able to communicate with the living as long as that door is opened on the living side. Now, spiritualism, which had been around for years in Europe, hit America hard in 1848 with the sudden prominence of the Fox Sisters of upstate New York. This is where it gets interesting. <clears throat> The Fox sisters claimed to receive messages from spirits who rapped on the walls in answer to questions, recreating the feat of channeling in parlors across the state. Aided by the stories about the celebrity sisters and other spiritualists in the, news, in the new national press, spiritualism reached millions of adherents at its peak in the second half of the 19th century. Spiritualism worked for Americans. It was compatible with Christian dogma, meaning one could hold a seance, on a Saturday night and have no qualms about going to church the next day, and it became even more acceptable and more wholesome to contact these spirits at seances. Now, I just read from smithsonianmag.com, and you should check them out, great site, but ultimately, seance means attempting to contact the dead in some form or another. It doesn't have to be with the Ouija board, okay? Now, <clears throat> with that being said, there's a lot of interesting things 
that that happen, not just within the room in which it's being done, but depending on what powers you channel through this board, there could be serious impactful consequences. And one thing I want to note, and not a lot of people really know about this, and I hate to sound like this kind of person, but I, I might be, I might sound like it for this for this segment here. When you have the global elites, for example, we call them the globalists or the people that kind of can topple world economies, the really rich billionaires, you know, the, the Vanderbilts, the Rothschilds, this and that. I think there's an understanding that these people have of, <clears throat> it's hard to explain, of both conscious understanding they have as well as unconscious understanding or they're unaware that they're being pushed <clears throat> towards a more negative sort of ideology. And when you look at a lot of the, the, the dances and the entertainment that these types of people watch for, for their amusement at events, and some of them have been filmed, very satanic or very low vibrational sort of performances are being put on. With that being said, it's kind of like, do these people who kind of, do these elites really control all of this? Do they understand what they're doing? Is there some type of energetic connection? Do they understand that even the extraterrestrials in which they're communicating with may in fact be, and the technology they're reverse engineering from is either very positive or very negative? And it's, a, it's, like, it's like a complicated spider web. There's many different agendas that are going on here. And the problem with this is that these globalists, these elitists, either they know what's going on and they kind of knowingly or unknowingly subscribe to the lower vibrational approach of things because it's the easier way, the quicker way, the quicker path to get what their, their agenda is or what they want. Or are they doing this completely without knowledge? And it's just the greed and the low vibrational things that someone does throughout their day. The, the, just the whole concept of your life revolving and surrounding and going, being uh, encapsulated by greed. Does it kind of make you a lower vibrational person automatically? Now, a lot of people have gone through points in their lives where they've been obsessed with money. And then or they've realized that when they get obsessed with money or they're very greedy or... They find that subconsciously and consciously they approach things like violence in a much easier fashion. They approach things like being able to cut off family members in a much easier fashion. And they find that when they take a step back, if they can get out of that sort of possession that they're in, so to speak, that <clears throat> it was not them that entire time that was thinking that or doing that. Now, again... You could say that's, again, this has to do with philosophy, some people not having a conscious, some people having one, very hard to tell. But ultimately, the steps in which are taken towards people who constantly just need more greed and this and that is extremely interesting because of the fact that they emit this sort of eerie and very weird and creepy aura. And they then understand, and this is for the wrong reasons, but they then understand how to utilize their energies to better their agenda. Okay, now, I, I know I've brought this up before, and I bring it up just because he's the most talked about uh, sort of, I guess, pedophile, so to speak, thing. Epstein, for example. Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein, was known to utilize his intuition, his feelings, to push his own agenda. Now... I'm not saying he was involved in anything of the sort of with the Ouija board or something like this, but what I'm saying is that his negativity 
was something that he gave off because he was using his intuition that most people would, I'd hope, use for good. Was that he was using it for the opposite. And so it's kind of like, it's hard to explain, but it's like there's this big connection between people like Epstein and the Rothschilds and the, the, the big corp, uh, corporate, uh, corporate CEOs and all that, that sort of have this negative energy within this community of the elites, so to speak. And whether they know it or not, eventually they kind of just comply with it and they become complicit with it because they can't really beat it, so they just join it. And I know how wacko that might sound, particularly the last few minutes of me discussing it, but I think what I'm trying to explain, you guys listening and watching may be able to sort of understand and, and sort of feel intuitively, because it's very hard for me to put into words what I'm trying to say. It's kind of like when you're using the Ouija board and you feel things around the room that you don't know what's going on, and then you want to try to explain it with words, but you can't. You kind of got to be there to feel what's going on, and then you try to translate that feeling into words, and it's just hard to explain sometimes, right? With that being said, going back to the Ouija board, I think the Ouija board is one of the things that sort of acts as a portal to this. Now, what a lot of people don't know as well is that the Ouija board has been uh, found in a lot of people's houses that tend to be very important or significant people that help make this world go round, so to speak. I mean, the real people are the working people that make the world go round, but the ones that have the control of the puppets or the strings, if you will, every time there's, there's something very low vibrational, very negative that gets found in their house. Something like the Ouija board. And I'm not saying that the Ouija board is negative. I'm just saying the purpose of, for it is usually a negative intention most of the time. And so I think people are kind of sifting over something. They're missing something. And I'm not saying that I have discovered it. I'm just saying I have this feeling that I have this obligation to inform people about it because something is like, it's hard for me to explain. And I don't want to sound very uh, overly vague or, or very general, but the Ouija board is sort of like, has given the ability for people who want to actually lower their vibration and not ascend to, it's kind of helped them because of how available the Ouija board has become if that makes sense, okay? And the thing is, is that communicating with the dead, whether you believe in it or not, is something that creeps a lot of people out. I mean, I've seen people creeped out by the Ouija board that never believed in it. I've seen people that have didn't believe in the Ouija board, they did it with some friends, and then they got creeped out. They still don't believe in the paranormal, but they still can't figure out what to make of what happened to them that evening they played with it, Okay? And to be honest, I'm a little bit hesitant and I'm trying to watch my words in this episode just because I'm not trying to, uh, I'm trying not to give off the wrong message here. But let me just give you some examples from rd.com that put together a nice list of some people that had very bad experiences or very eerie or creepy experiences with the Ouija board. Now, let me also note that if you have a negative attachment before you use the Ouija board, oh, good luck. Good luck. And I'm not saying that sarcastically. I'm saying that in a way like literally you're going to need all the luck you can get. Whether or not you know you have an attachment or not, you're going to need it. And whether or not people know this, but the Ouija board has an indirect, uh, an indirect impact on people's lives for even years after it's been used. Even if it's just been used once. Now, of course, the less you use it, the better. 
if you don't use it at all, then you can kind of talk about these things without summoning or calling any of these negative entities to your attention. But again, that's kind of why I'm, I'm, uh, I'm okay speaking about it. So, for example, let's take a look here. RD.com. Let's see. Tommy, uh, 25 years old from New York. When Tommy was a freshman in college, he and his dorm mates took out a Ouija board and had a threatening encounter with some very dark spirits. The dorm hall used to be a morgue, he says. It was the perfect setting for a goof and fun time with friends, he thought. But they failed to realize how serious it could get. The planchette began to move on the board, which is the triangle thing that moves itself. The spirit or spirits communicated to them that 83 demons would come for them. The next thing you know, the dorm is haunted and the girls can't sleep because stuff was turning on and off and messing with them and being thrown around the rooms. So they had a priest come in to bless the room and it was good ever since. He also adds, quote, that's why I don't mess with Ouija boards anymore. End quote. Next, let's just take a look at another one. We have Sherry from Iowa, 29. One evening she was in high school. She decided to use a Ouija board with her friends. Nothing seemed to happen, so they gave up. What they would later discover was that the, it actually did work. Weird stuff happened in the house ever since that night, and to this day it hasn't stopped. We've had glasses move right across the table by themselves, a spoon and a cup of co coffee, aggressively stirring the cup without anyone being near it. Like literally a spoon, when you stir your coffee to mix your sugar or your milk or your cream, on its own, just boom, 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 spinning like that. The sound of footsteps leading from upstairs into the living room entrance never stopped, and all different things. So, listen, thank you, RD.com, for this list to provide to the people. It's a great list. I can go on and on. I think there's like 10 different things going on here. But ultimately, I know that in the future, I'm going to be making another episode on this. And I hope that I've sort of informed people on what the Ouija board is all about and what people how they should approach it. I think you shouldn't approach it at all, to tell you the truth. But ultimately, again, it's your decision. I just hope you listen to this or watch this video uh, if you're on YouTube before you do it. So let me know what you guys think, and we will uh, catch you next time. Peace.